back with another episode of the Walk On Red Shirts, and it's the college football playoff. But more importantly, we are we're jumping into the holiday season here, and you know, just myself, you know, last week, you know, I, I spent a bunch of time watching Christmas movies because since we didn't have you know football on the weeknights, real quick, what is the best Christmas movie in your opinion? Oof. So there's there's three that always come to my mind. You know, you gotta have Christmas Vacation is involved. It's always it's it's, it's got to be the funniest. A Christmas Story, little Ralphie, you'll shoot your eye out. That's the classic. You know, if you turn on TBS, it's on twenty four seven. And then it just floats. It just floats. Like my third, always. I mean, you got the Grinch. That's really good. The, the Jim Carrey version is the best, in my opinion. Polar Express is decent. Elf is hilarious, but I think my third would have to be a floater. And right now it's Klaus. I don't know if you've seen Klaus on Netflix. That movie slaps. It is a it is an excellent, excellent Christmas movie. They kind of took it in a different way where Santa's a postman instead of flying on his reindeer. So it's pretty cool. What so about you? I have never seen a Christmas story, to be honest. Whoa, 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 I've never, it's just never been in my family's tradition. Christmas Vacation, I can probably quote about half that movie. You know, my, my wife hates watching it with me because I can quote just about every single line. And we have Christmas sweaters that say, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? And the other one says, <laughs> I don't know, Margo. <laughs> yeah. Like one of the best movies of all time. I'll probably watch it at least two more times for Christmas. My favorite line bowl. is, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say before bowl season, you know, once the bowl season kicks up, I'm going to probably be watching those on weeknights. Hey, is are we in the trust tree? We, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Hallmark movies are kind of great. Ooh. You know you what know, you're getting. Every so often you, you can sign me up for one of those cheesy Christmas movies that you already know how it's going to end. My wife and I watched one on Netflix the other night, and you know, you, we you knew how it was going to end. Yeah, but there's every, every so often it, it hits right. There's three things that happen every single time: small town comes to big city, or big city comes to small town. Excuse me; those those two mesh. You have someone whose parent has passed away, and that parent had immense Christmas spirit, and ever since that parent went away, the Christmas spirit has left. It might be a spouse or down that's a spouse, but mostly it's a parent. And then closing the small town person brought back the Christmas spirit and the city, big city person who lost the Christmas spirit. And then they, they become a happy family at the end every single time. You, you know, it like the back of your hand, you're like a genius. My hand. I am a genius. You're a genius. Allegedly. Genius. And then also Santa Claus is a football guy. Not sure if y'all can see my shirt. Oh, he is. Um, he definitely is a football guy. He, he's built different. I mean, he's like an Alabama recruit playing and 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 against private schools. He's just trucking over those elves. He's a big guy. You know, he, he runs a good forty. He's more agile than you think. Guys, he, he's slipping through chimneys. So, dude, dude, he's got finesse to him. He's not all power. He's not all brawn. He's not all he milk. He is. Let's jump into what everybody wants to be here for. I don't think anybody wants to hear our Christmas take. Maybe you do. Maybe maybe you do. But college football playoff. You know, it's been almost a week since they announced, you know, I don't want to dig too much into the games from last week. So everybody knows the results. Everybody knows what happened. What they what we need to talk about is did the committee get it right? You got Michigan at one. You got Washington at two, Texas at three, Alabama at four and Florida State at five. 
Did the committee get it right? So, no, I don't think so. Number one, Michigan and Washington handled business. Hats off to Washington for beating Oregon twice. I mean, they, they did what no one thought they would do. And they thought that I, I, I said Oregon was a buzzsaw and they were going to come in there and crush them. And, and honestly, Washington almost let it slip away from them. They had a pretty good lead going into the end. So hats off to those two. They got number one and number two correct. That was easy. Number three being Texas. I, I am okay with that. Texas handled their business. They had they had one bad game against Oklahoma. They beat Alabama. You know, yes, it was in September, but they, they still beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I don't care what time of year it is. That's tough to do. So they handled their business. I I, I figured Texas would get in. Now, f- when, when they announced that Texas was three, I knew the committee screwed up because if Texas is three – that was already implying that number four was not going to be Florida State. And sure enough, Alabama comes in there. Now, is this a bad product? Absolutely not. Will I watch every single game? Absolutely I will. Will these be great games? Absolutely they will be. And will they be better than they would have been if Florida State was there? Yes, but that is not the question. The question is, did they get it right? And absolutely no, they did not. Florida State did everything in their power on the football field, Jake, on the football field to get into that game. Yes, they lost their best player. Ohio State did it a few years back, back in 2014 in the, in the first college football playoff. It's a little bit different because when Ohio State's player went down, they still handled business and they and they beat people pretty well. Florida State went to their third-string quarterback. They lost their second-string guy against Florida in the swamp, handled business against them. Then they play Louisville, a top-15 team, mind you, at a neutral site with a third-string quarterback, relied on the run game, relied on that defense, and won the game. They handled their business. They did what they were supposed to do, and the committee said, that's not enough. We're a beauty pageant model now. We want us, We want the sexiest team. We don't want the most deserving team. We don't want Miss Congeniality. We want the hot girl who can't speak, and that was Alabama. And to, to, Alabama earned their way back to be in the conversation, of course, but if you look at their resume as a whole, it was not that great. They eke by. I mean, they struggled with Arkansas, Jake. Mm-hmm. They struggled with Ole Miss. They struggled with USF. That's Southern Florida for all the haters. South Florida, excuse me, and down in Tampa for for all the haters out there. They they struggled with with who's going to be the quarterback. They struggled two weeks ago against Auburn. It took. It a wasn't year. for a fourth and thirty-one. We're not even having this conversation. Absolutely. I mean, it, it took a fourth and thirty-one to beat Auburn, who's not a good football team. Did they beat Georgia and handle their business when they had to handle business? Yes, they did. I just, I just think, like, to the core of what college football is, that was violated immensely, and and we were we were told without being told that money is the most important thing because what they want is a better product, not the most deserving product. Yeah, I, the games on the field have to matter, and, and I understand Jordan Travis was gone, but at the same time, like the third string quarterback. Brock Glenn that played against Louisville is not the same quarterback that's going to play against, you know, in their bowl game because Tate Rotomaker was out with a concussion. It's not going to be out for four weeks because of a concussion. It's like he was a game time decision. You know, he was almost a chance he was going to play. So in four weeks, he was absolutely going to be the starting quarterback. Now, Rotomaker didn't show anything similar to what, you know, Jordan Travis was. Jordan Travis is basically a Heisman finalist. And if he plays the whole season, he probably does make it to New York. But the games on the field have to matter. I understand you have to consider the injuries, but when you go head to head 
there's a common opponent and LSU, for instance, Florida state beat beat LSU by more than Alabama did. And Alabama had LSU at home. So you've got to weigh it. I understand teams can change throughout the season. You're not the same team. You are the week one that you are in week 13. But when you're trying to compare two teams as narrow as that, that's a very, very easy comparison right there. The conversation and, should have never made it past a record, Jake. They were 13-0. No. It should have stopped right there. 13-0 in the ACC. They went undefeated. They handled their business. And you can point out that you know they played a close game against Boston College. I mean, Alabama played a close game against South Florida. Yeah. South Florida. Like, they won 17-3. to They benched Jalen Milrow because they weren't confident in him and played a lacrosse player at quarterback. (laughs) They nearly lost to Texas A&M. They nearly lost to Arkansas. They nearly lost. They were down, like, 20-3 to or something like that to Tennessee at halftime. They nearly lost to Auburn. Alabama has squeaked by so many of these games. Now, I think they're going to put on a great product against Michigan here in a couple weeks. But to me, that doesn't change anything. It shouldn't be about who is the best matchup and who are the best games. Because if you're doing that, then Memorial Day, we should just all have a poll of who the four best teams are and just send them to the playoff. Yep. And don't even need to play a season. Nobody can get injured. George Harris would have never got injured. Yeah. You would you put Georgia, Alabama, and then you know you pick four of the next six teams. Or you pick a handful of teams. You'd have Ohio State, Michigan. You know, you would have had Washington and Oregon in there. You know, you'd have a handful of other teams that you would just automatically put right up in that conversation if you just want to go by talent. You want to go to 24-7 to see who has the best talent. Go ahead and put those four teams in there. But the games on the field have to matter. Absolutely. do. And honestly, the conversation should have been between Texas, Alabama, and Georgia. Yes. For four. 100%. 100%. Because, yeah, if you wanted to say – if you really wanted to go into the best teams – why is Georgia not ahead of Florida state then? If you're right. going to say that Alabama is a better team, why is Georgia not a, considered better? Georgia was number one in the country. Now you're going to all say because they lost by three points or whatever to Alabama in a neutral state game, a conference championship game that they're worse than Florida state. If you're going to make that conversation, then Florida state should have fallen to six. Right. Absolutely. They should have. And it doesn't make any sense, Jake. It's not consistent. And your point that you made a few weeks ago, they set the rankings and then they justify. Mm-hmm. And if you needed any evidence to prove Jake wrong or to prove Jake right, you got it right here. They 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 set they knew who they wanted as their top four after the games happened on Saturday. I mean, they, they from all the interviews that are coming out and all these 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 quote statements that have been released, they saw. Ooh, this is a bad product we're seeing. Florida State don't know how they're going to get in. They decided. They decided watching the game before the outcome even occurred. Yeah, we know who our four teams are. Now we just have to figure out why. And you can look no further than further down the rankings when you go to the near six bowl game when you're comparing SMU and Liberty. Liberty gets in because they were 13 and 0, but didn't play anybody good. They had one of the worst strength of schedules in the whole country. SMU had a legitimate schedule, played some legitimate teams, and won, and they were held behind because they had two losses. But there was a lot of arguments made that SMU was the better team, but Liberty was undefeated, so they got the nod there. Florida State didn't get the nod, but because they were undefeated, because they didn't have as good of a strength schedule. Yeah, it's just, so it's not consistent at all. 
you can make all sorts of points about how Florida State is the better team. You can make all sorts of points about how Alabama and how Georgia are the better teams. But ultimately, in my opinion, what they do is they justify the four best teams and then they figure out what how they're going to justify that. Because just as easily, you could say Washington should have been number one. Absolutely. And honestly, I would have argued that, but that's neither here or there. I mean, I, honestly, what did Michigan do that wowed anybody this year besides beat Ohio State? Michigan went three and zero against top twenty five teams, which is good. You know they beat Iowa, they beat Ohio State, and they beat Penn State. You know three top twenty teams. When you look at Washington, Washington went five and zero against the AP, including two wins over Oregon, and like they they just continued to win every single week. You know they beat Utah, they beat Oregon State. They played a really tough schedule. They played a much tougher schedule than Michigan did. And I think you could have just easily said that Washington had a better resume than Michigan if you wanted to go by that standard. And I'll tell you what, you know who's more pissed in Florida State? Who? Michigan. Because they saw Oh, oh yeah. You, you were hoping to get Florida State and you were hoping to get a backup quarterback. And instead, you have an Alabama team with four weeks to prepare. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to stop whining. I'm going to stop. I'm going to get the vinegar out. I'm going to go to the honey, and I'm going to enjoy the product. And But real quick, before I do that, I want to address something real quick, Jake. Anybody who's spreading rumors or thinks that there's any truth to Florida State sitting out the Orange Bowl in protest, you've got to be out of your mind. Because I hate to tell you, these guys have been working their ass off all year they have an opportunity to showcase that. Some guys who have not been able to play all year long now have a, a platform to show themselves to NFL scouts and all these things on a huge stage. And you think they're going to forfeit it for a freaking playoff game? Get out! You're out of your mind. These coaches have a lot of money on the line, a lot of money on the line. There are a lot of incentives that are based off of New Year's Six Bowls. There's a lot of incentives based off of winning that bowl game, and your conference is relying on that. And – when you win a, a bowl game, especially as big as the Orange Bowl, your conference gets a really big buyout, and that helps other schools. So it would be absolutely asinine if Florida actually forfeits the game. And and you better believe Georgia's not going to want to agree to that either. They, they, they want to go out there and, and throttle whoever goes across from them. I mean, the quarterback's slipping my mind, but he, he's coming back next year. Carson Beck is allegedly yeah, coming back. back next year. He wants to end this this season on an excellent, excellent exclamation point. Riding into next year, probably get another top five ranking. But they're not going to sit out. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, and even even if Florida State is upset about everything, I can understand as the fan base they are. But for Mike Norvell, there's a lot you can still gain out of this game. You know you're not going to have Jordan Travis in the game, so you've got a chance to put two quarterbacks out there. You can have a chance to figure out if you have to go into the portal to find somebody. Absolutely. You have all these other guys. Bowl games, to me now, if you are not in the college football playoff, this is a chance to look at your future. Yeah, it's either a celebration of the season, you know, for guys like Bo Nix, who are playing their 19th year or something like that, or it's a preseason game because they don't count towards the eligibility anymore. You can play your four games and then you can still play in the bowl game. So you can just have a free for all and put whoever you want out there. And it's it's a chance to really find out what your team is. And, you know, if you need really, if you need to go into the portal or if guys are surprising you and can jump up the depth chart, a chance to play your freshmen and sophomores, you know, and really get a look at what they got. Like if I'm Florida state, I'm going to expect to see Tate Rodemaker and Brock Lund probably in this game against Georgia, because you know that, Travis isn't playing. He's not coming back. You've got to figure out 
if one of these guys can be a starter or if you need to go into the portal. Right. And Jake, the, the Tate Rodemaker we saw against Florida or Brock Glenn that we saw against Louisville is not going to be the same person. Whoever mm-hmm. they decide is the starter is not going to be the same player four weeks from now when they play the, 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 the or three weeks from now when they play in the Orange Bowl. They're going to have three to four weeks of preparation, guys. Like that, they're going to be a different player. They're not being thrust into the moment at the last second because someone got hurt and they hadn't had to do anything all year long. So it's going to be a good product. Enjoy it. Florida State fans, it's okay to be mad. Be mad. You should be mad. But don't encourage people to sit out. And enjoy enjoy what they're able to do. And honestly, like if anything, I'm pulling for them to beat the crap out of Georgia so I can say F you to the, to the college football committee and say you missed out. This would have been on you would have had this Cinderella story in your playoff, but you decided to be jackasses and put someone else in. And so. the thing is, you cannot judge the outcome of this game one way or the other. That Florida State should or should not have been in on the outcome right. of the game because right. you're gonna like you've already seen players enter the transfer portal that you know might have not entered the portal if they were entering you know the college football playoff. Same with Georgia. Georgia's had a bunch of players go into the portal. Would they have stuck around if they were in the playoff? Right. So it's hard to justify exactly that, and the mindset is very different going into the orange bowl compared to a college football playoff game Yeah, on both sides of the field. You know, both of these teams thought they were going to be in the college football playoff, you know, a little over a week ago. And, you know, here we are with neither of them in the playoff. I think it's going to be a great game. There's a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. And I think this is going to be an absolute stunning game and I cannot wait to watch it. Yeah. And to, to, to pull the curtain back a little bit, when we played in bowl games, Jake, you have extended practice time. So so during this during the season, you have an allotted amount of time that you can practice in a week. And they, they track it to the day. You get audited on it. You have to report your, your, your practice times, whatever. You get the bowl week. You have an extra 30 to 45 minutes, I believe it is. Clemson took that time, and they called it JV. Guys who weren't playing, guys who were redshirted, guys who were young, guys who were walk-ons trying to, trying to make a name for themselves, had the entire 30 to 45 minutes by themselves with no starters, no second string involved. And you're out there doing exactly what the, what the first and second string guys were doing. You, you just went through their, their type of practice and it's your good on good. And you have a chance to prove it and make a name for yourself. Th- that stuff is so important for these guys scratching, clawing, you know, working their way up the depth chart just to beat a dead horse, because that's just what I have to do right here. They've got to do that in order to get up and, be relevant for next year so this is this is important for both teams don't get it twisted like this is important for a lot of different players and the guys who are now getting an opportunity are very thankful yeah absolutely shout out justin price saying that he agrees that both teams are going to be different i think it's kind of something that people won't realize when we get closer to the game were you uh so did you get a lot of practice time in there during bowl game bowl practices i, I did i did so that was that was fun so i went from having to go against our top defensive players every single day. Second. So you didn't have to go against Vic Beasley constantly? It wasn't going against Vic Beasley, Shaq Lawson, Kevin Dodd, Corey Crawford, you name it, Cleveland Furl, Austin Bryant. Shout out to all y'all guys. You know, first and second rounders beating the crap out of me. I got to go up against guys who are who are more like my peers. And that, I mean, makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. I mean, these guys are still more athletic than I was, but – I'm not going up against a first rounder, <laughs> so I, I I was able to to hold my own a little bit better. So yeah, it was it, it was a great time. I love bowl season. You get gifts, you get per diem. You're traveling somewhere. There there's there's activities like there's there's legal gifts. 
I always gifts. loved seeing the gifts because there would always be some sort of website, CBS or somebody who'd put out all the gifts that all the bowl games had. And you'd always see the ones where you're like, wow, that would really suck to go to that bowl game. And that's all you get. Like you just got like a watch and it's like, but meanwhile, you look over at some of these other bowl games. They're like, ah, oh, this one got a PS4. They got a watch. They got a $200 Best Buy gift card. They got all this stuff. It's like, yeah, goodness, how is this legal? That that used to piss me off because like, we'd go to a game and then you see like we were in the Orange Bowl my freshman year and we got to go into a gift gift room in the hotel and you had points. I think you had eight points and all these different things in the room were, were worth different points. I ended up coming out with a recliner that could charge my phone, um, <laughs> a purse, no watch for my mom and then some I think headphones. The, the, the recliner broke in a month. But then next year we planned in the Russell Athletic Bowl. We got a we essentially got a six hundred dollar gift card to Best Buy. I think it was like five hundred and sixty three dollars, some random number. And I came out with an Xbox One. Like that was right when the Xbox One had come out. So I'm like, I think I like this. We're at the Russell Level. Well, I like this gift a lot better. And then and then when the playoff came around, well, when we made it to the playoffs in 2015, we had fun gifts again with for the Orange Bowl. But then you make it to the the national championship. There's no gifts for the national championship. That's not a bowl game. So, so like you get one gift, you do not get more. Yeah, you don't get multiple <laughs> for winning that game too. So that was whatever bull crap. Yeah. So let's speaking of near six bowl games, they announced them. Be interested to see what we got. So we've got Mizzou and Ohio State playing in the Cotton Bowl, Ole Miss and Penn State playing in the Peach Bowl. We are talking about Georgia and Florida State in the Orange Bowl. Liberty and Oregon on the Fiesta Bowl, I believe. And then Alabama, Michigan in the Rose and Texas and Washington, the Sugar Bowl. Before we go into the other near six bowl games, we'll dive into the to the playoffs in the coming weeks. So I don't want to spend too much time on them. But is there something that sticks out in both of those games to you that intrigues you, interests you, that excites you? In the playoffs? Yes. I love how both teams are very similar. You have you have Texas and Washington who have really good um, air attacks. They're really good passers, and they're able to complement with a good physical running style. And both of them play pretty decent defense. Uh, Texas better than Washington, but I'm I'm very curious to see that duel between Michael Penix and and Quinn Ewers. And then you go, you go to the other side of the, of the other game, and you have two dual threat, more focused on the running than they are the passing, punch you in the mouth style of of, of teams. You have both teams that are run dominant, they'll pass when they need to, but they'd rather they'd rather run it. They do a lot of play action, and then they they rely heavily on their defense. So, two teams that are on 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 either side of the bracket are very similar to one another. So that's that's probably one of my favorite things to see with this playoff. My gut instinct is take the over in the Washington and Texas game, and then take the under in the Alabama Michigan game. Absolutely. Like Alabama, Michigan might be like a 20 to 14 game and Washington, Texas might be a 45, 42 game. (laughs) I could definitely see that. Like I could 100%. I think they're going to both be great games. Alabama and Michigan matches up two of the best talent teams in the country. Michigan's got like 75 seniors. Alabama's just got 75 guys are going to go pro on their defense. Yeah. 18, 18, five stars compared. I think it was 18. And compared to Washington, who has zero, Texas, who has five, and Michigan, who has like, I think eight. Like it's like it's insane the 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 talent discrepancy between the four teams. And the receiving cores, Texas versus Washington, you've got some some dudes oh, there. Some Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittingham, and AD Mitchell on one side, and then Jalen McMillan, Romo Dunze, and Jalen Polk on the other side. 
you got oh, some, man, some star receivers. Like, no matter how good your secondary is, you can't lock down all three of those guys on either side. Can't wait. Bart Scott, verbal meme. Can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. All right, let's jump into the other games here. Out of the Cotton Bowl, Peach Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, and Orange Bowl, which game are you most excited about? Had nobody opted out, I probably would have been most excited to see Mizzou versus Ohio State. You'd really see what Brady Cook and and, and Schrader were made of, and, and honestly, what Ohio State's made of, you know, you get to see the SEC and Big Ten go against each other. It's, it's pretty fun. Those are the two conferences that usually claim to be the best. But I think, honestly, Ole Miss and Penn State's my favorite. I think that's a really good game. I haven't seen many opt-outs. I think both quarterbacks are going to play. Both running backs are going to play that are really good. Both Penn State has a good defense. I, I would not be shocked if Chop, Chop Robinson has already opted out. or He did opt out already. He game. declared for the NFL and opted out. I, I, that's what I figured. But – Penn State's been able to roll out these guys at defensive end. I don't think Manny Diaz is going to be coaching them in this in this game. I think he he has unofficially accepted the job at Duke. It's not it's, the ink's almost dry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're waiting for it to be approved. I don't see why the board would not approve it. I hate to tell you, Manny Diaz. There's no yachts in Durham, North Carolina. You got to go a little bit a little bit east to to Wilmington to go get that. So this isn't Miami. No yacht parties for for NIL. But um, I'm really excited to see this Ole Miss-Penn State matchup. But I think it could it has the makings of being a really fun game. You have strength versus strength with Ole Miss's offense being its strength and Penn State's defense being its its, its strength as well. So that, I'm most excited for that one. Yeah, I agree. You know, as an Ohio State fan, first, Kyle McCord looking to go into the transfer portal. Huge news out of Ohio State. Goes 11-1 and this year into the transfer portal. And then – you don't know they've had like 13 guys into the portal. You know, Julian Fleming's the most notable name after Kyle McCord. That shocked me. That shocked me. I, it, it didn't shock me at the same time. You know, it, there's a lot of young guys, and it, it just seems like he might be getting passed up because, you know, he was former number one receiver in the country. He just really hasn't had his career panned out that you would have hoped he would. Yeah, and he never some... had that, that – sorry to cut you off. He never had that no. statement game, Jake. Hmm. No, no, he played really well throughout the year. He had a really good Peach Bowl against Georgia last year. He played really well, especially after Marvin Harrison got hurt. You know, ended with over 500 yards, but I think last year also you have to look at the quarterback. C.J. Stroud was obviously a significantly better quarterback than Kyle McCord. McCord just never seemed like he fully got it. He locked onto his number one target, which tended to be Marvin Harrison Jr. And, you know, they tried to get Fleming the ball. He made some big catches this year, but a lot of his big catches were like 12-yard plays. You know, he caught a fourth down pass against Notre Dame. You know, he caught a huge pass against Michigan. But, you know, he only ended with like 250 yards this year. So, you know, they won't have him, obviously, a Brian Hartline room. So you're going to have to assume that those guys behind him are really good. Marvin Harrison said, hasn't said if he will opt out or not yet. My gut tells me I would not expect him to play. No. If Marvin Harrison plays in a football game over Ohio State again, I would be stunned. Mizzou, I'm excited. They're going to be hungry for this game. You know, the line has moved from Ohio State being favored by a touchdown to Mizzou being favored now, just to show you how much the they're caring about it. But as an Ohio State fan, I am very interested in this because I want to see what the quarterback situation looks like. You know, there's a lot of chance for young players to play here. There's going to be some opt-outs for sure. and But there's a lot of talent that don't have a lot of experience that as an Ohio State fan, I'm excited to see. But the Ole Miss-Penn State game, I think, is the cream of the crop here. Ole Miss has a really good offense. Penn State has a really good defense. There's still maybe one or two players that might opt out on Penn State's team. You know, uh, Kalen King is one to watch. He's a cornerback, probably going to be a first-round pick. And he's another one I would watch there. And then Olu Fushani, their left tackle, I'd be interested to see if he plays this game because he's projected to be a top-ten pick as well. He'll be out. 
you know, he came back after he didn't need to. He was projected to be a, a top 10 pick. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he wants this one last shot with his guys. So I don't want to say never say never, but, you know, there's definitely probably a good chance he opts out for this game. Yeah. Um, Georgia, Florida State, we talked about the Liberty, Oregon game is interesting. I, with Bonix playing, I, right now, I don't give Liberty much of a chance, but, you know, they could prove me wrong. I just am not sold on Liberty being able to go into the Fiesta Bowl and be an Oregon team that actually might be motivated to win this game. Yeah, and Bo Nix is playing for draft talk. He, he's mm-hmm. a guy that's probably being considered third round. He's pro- he's trying to get his name up into late first round, and th- this is a game he can he can do that. I mean, you end the you end the year on a on a strong note like this when everyone's watching. This is an opportunity to get your name in the mix in that the, the, the late first round. And I think this is, this, that's why he's coming back to play this game. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. We have another question. We'll get to here at the end when we jump into our questions. All right. Let's talk transfer portal. Transfer portal open on Monday. As of right now, we have more than 1400 players in the transfer portal from the FBS level. 1400. That's it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I've been keeping a running tab throughout the week. Last I looked from the Power 5 alone, there was over 600 names. Now, some of these guys, I think we got to talk about the portal, where some of these guys are going in for a good reason. You know, maybe they're you know not quite in the two deep. Maybe they're the third string guy, and they're entering their senior year, and this is their last chance to play. You know, if you're at a big school, and you know, you're just not getting the playing time, and, and you know you came to college because you wanted to play, maybe this is the time where you end up looking at the Sunbelt, you end up looking at the Mac, you end up looking at the Mountain West because you want to go get your chance. If you want a shot to prove yourself and maybe get a shot at the next level, like this is what you need to do. Like you absolutely have to do that. And then on the other side, you have other guys where we're not really sure what it is. Maybe it's NIL. Maybe it's coaching fit. Maybe it's just they hate their campus right now. There's a lot of notable names on here. I'm only going to list a handful of them. We talked about Kyle McCord already, but DJU, Somehow still has eligibility. Cam Ward. Walter Nolan, the former number one overall player in the country from Texas A&M. Dante Moore, the number one quarterback from last year at UCLA. Chase Basantis, who is the freshman All-American left tackle at Texas A&M. Trevor Etienne, Travis's little brother. Riley Leonard, Dylan Gabriel. Honestly, if there's if you are in need of a quarterback and you don't go find one in the transfer portal, you're doing something wrong right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, I also want to add this caveat, Jake. So I feel like every player that goes into the transfer portal gets a bad rep for the most part. A lot of these guys like, oh, he's chasing money. He's doing this and that. And you kind of alluded to this earlier, but guys, you got to remember, not all of these players are leaving on their, on their own accord. They're being pushed out the door sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. it just go back to the Colorado situation in which 80 people go to the transfer portal from the, from the football team. That was because Dion is telling them to leave. He is pushing them out. Your your scholarship will not be honored. You can be a walk on. See ya. That that's the kind of thing that's that is starting to happen with this transfer portal. But and Dabo spoke on it today. Him and Mark Stoops at their at the Gator Bowl um, press conference spoke on this. And Dabo said that the issue is not NIL. The issue is not the transfer portal. The issue is tampering. The issue is when tampering is actually happening when you have adults taking advantage of kids who've never seen this kind of money, don't have any sort of representation. And honestly, if I'm thinking back when I was 18, 19, 20, and someone starts telling me they're going to give me a million dollars, I'm going to believe their ass and I'm going to go into the transfer portal. Whether they, whether they honor that or not, 
is what happens when I get there. And that's why you see these guys, some of these guys jumping sometimes because they're being, they're being promised the world. And it's not, sometimes it's not out there and sometimes it is, but that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. That, that's not what this, that's not what the intent of this, of this portal was. This, this, and the intent of the portal was to protect players from when a coach left or if your family stuff happened or if it just wasn't working out for you someplace, the transfer portal had really good intentions. And of course these, these slimy, greedy adults have started taking advantage of it. And it, what sucks is the coaches don't get the bad rap on it, Jake. The players do. The players are the ones getting DM'd and getting tweeted at and, and all those things. And they're being called scumbags. Like, Dude, give me a freaking break. If you love your team and you love your players and a guy decides to leave best to you, just focus on your guys. Yep. You you yep. calling somebody a scumbag or a piece of shit online is not going to convince them to stay. Yeah, it's not going to help you at all. And as much as I would love to say that there are every coach in college football is fantastic, every coach in college football is not fantastic because no. all it takes is simple math to see it. Coaches are bringing in anywhere from 25 to 30 players on any given year, and you have 85 scholarships. If you do the math over the course of four years, and right now you have even more because of COVID, you have more guys that are on there. If you bring in 25 guys over the course of four years, that's 100 players. Yep. There's 15 guys that need to be displaced over that four-year period. And that's if you just do the minimum. And that doesn't include bringing in transfers as well because you might bring in 25 players in your freshman class and then seven more in your recruiting or in your transfer portal. You guys are going to be displaced. And you know, unfortunately, at larger programs, like if you're at Georgia and you're just not cutting it, you know, there's a, probably an honest conversation that happens that like, hey, maybe this spot isn't for you. I would yeah. hope that that there's an honest conversation there, but you know these programs they have high standards, they have high expectations. At a place like Georgia, a place like Alabama, a place like Texas, a place like Ohio State, you know if you're not making the college football playoff, they're going to try to find people that can help them get there. Yeah, for sure. And you know, unfortunately, you know, not always there's that honest conversation. It more just might be, hey, we don't have a scholarship for you. You got to pack your bags and go. Yeah. And even if the player does love it there, even if they do want to be there, that's unfortunately is not always the case. And it it sucks because it's, the players are trying to, you know, do what they think is best for them. And coaches just, there's 130 of them. I'd yeah. love to say that all 130 of them are acting in every player's best interest, but I can promise you not every single one is. Right. And another thing I'm going to add, and I'm not, by any means an expert on this, but what it seems like is going to happen, rich people who are donating to these schools, like these, these booster funds to fund the NIL, they're not rich because they're stupid. It's, it's only going to take a couple more times of a player staying because they gave them money and then dipping out to go get some more. It's going to piss them off enough to start putting some strings attached to that money. And what's going to end up having to happen is players are going to need representation. And it's it, it, it looks like we're heading down the path of, of, of a minor league football it, but I don't want to get down that path yet. I'm just it, that's just what's going to end up happening if if you know people are getting screwed on their money and kids are getting taken advantage of. Th those are both evils and both extremes on the either side. What you want is everyone to be right here in the middle, and what has to happen to get there is 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 in the kids' best interest, and that's what we yeah. want. This is this is for the students. This is student athletics. Yeah, but like you said with tampering, you know Riley Leonard enters the transfer portal. And on 24-7, almost immediately, there are like a bunch of crystal balls to him to Notre Dame. Yeah. So, and he had a no contact tag putting on him. So, 
very clearly there was something happening, whether it was illegal or there are legal ways to back channel it. And, you know, a friend of a friend of an uncle said like, hey, you know, somebody wants you to go to Notre Dame. We'll see what happens there. There's a lot of interesting names. Is there a player or two that sticks out to you in the portal that, you know, you think would be an absolute massive impact for a team next year? Yeah, Cam Ward. I think can be excellent given given a, an opportunity to have the best of the best receivers around him and athletes around him. Trevor Etienne, I mean, we saw what he did on Florida's team. Give him an opportunity with with a big offense on. Give him an opportunity on a team that's winning ball games. And then honestly, like I want to see what Dante Moore can do, and, and on, on a team that mm-hmm. has offensive weapons too. I mean, he goes to UCLA. UCLA and Chip Kelly are usually, or at least Chip Kelly is usually known for offense. They're a defensively predominant team this year. He gets beat out, whatever. He ends up getting the play, doesn't do the best. I want to see him with a, with a coach of mine. I wouldn't doubt if we see him go down right next door to, to, to play with old Lincoln Riley. I would not doubt that. But what I'm hearing most out of him, I believe, Jake, is that he's going up to Oregon. Is that what you're hearing? He, I, I saw some things because he actually was committed to Oregon and flipped at the last second. I remember that. There's also some rumors about him going back home because he's from the state of Michigan going back to Michigan. I think that could have an interesting thing depending on what J.J. McCarthy does. If J.J. is looking to stay, you know, Moore said he doesn't need to be a starter, but like you just spent last season playing. Do you really yeah. want to go be a backup and compete for again? I, I That's that's, These kind of guys that enter the portal are not looking to compete again. They're they're looking for a spot where somebody can guarantee them a starting job. Right. Well, some sometimes and Dante Moore. I think what's what's weighing heavier more on that Michigan decision wouldn't be. I think JJ McCarthy plays a role. I think the bigger thing is what is the NCAA going to do about the whole Connor Stallion situation? And is, is Harbaugh going to be there? Right. Is there going to be more backlash next year? I mean, I don't want to go to. A, I'm not going to transfer to a team that ends up getting a bowl ban. So mm-hmm. I, I would doubt if he goes to Michigan just because of all that, all those clouds looming around them. Uh, DJ use I mean, a big name. W- mm-hmm. What does he bring? I'm not sure. I think he's an average quarterback. Florida state is getting, is in the loop. I don't think they go after a DJU. Mississippi state was brought up. I don't know. It depends on, I mean, they get the Oklahoma's OC. Do they think they can do something with DJU? I, I don't know. Maybe Louisville. I think, I think Louisville is also in the mix. We'll see. Yeah. One name that interests me is Daquan Finn out of Toledo. Yes. Daquan Finn, it was a very good quarterback in the MAC. He's electric. He can run the ball. He's definitely going to end up at the power five level. You know, how high does he go? I I think you're looking at somebody that is obviously in desperate need of a quarterback and somebody who runs a system that can help play to his strengths. You know, I don't think he's not going to go to a pro style like, Honestly, I would love to see him at USC if they could get him an offensive line and actually try to play defense because I think he kind of is like a poor man, Caleb Williams. He just kind of figures it out and does it. Yeah, you're asking a lot, though. You are. You are. And, you know, those standards out there are huge. But, I I mean, Daquan Finn, I think, is really that good. I think he is, you know, a superstar playing in a Mac school. Yeah, and staying in the Mac, I think Kevin Rourke is a name who's also in there. I think the Maple Missile, Kevin is his first name, I believe. Curtis. Um, Curtis, Curtis Rourke, I think is a phenomenal quarterback. Had he not tore his ACL, I think he would have had more buzz. Maybe not Mm -hmm. Daquan Finn buzz, but I think he would have had a lot more buzz around his name at this point. 
look out for him to go to a, to a, to a power five school and and really make an impact and make a name for himself. I wouldn't doubt if this is a guy in the, in the Bo Nix conversation, second, third round quarterback coming out. So mm-hmm. Curtis Rourke, if, if you hadn't watched him play, go back and watch last year's tape when he was healthy. Uh, I, I believe it was in the conference championship he got hurt or was it in the bowl game? It was towards the end of the season. I don't remember the exact game, but it was toward the end of the season he got hurt. Yeah, it was a bad situation, but I think he's a really, really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about some coaching updates because since we were last on here, we've had some updates with some coaches. I want you to give some grades on some of these coaches. Okay. Duke hiring Manny Diaz, what grade would you give? I give that an A. You're, you're Duke. You're not known for getting big-name guys. I would consider Matt Diaz a, a pretty big-name guy. I mean, he's a great defensive mind. Yes, he struggled a little bit at Miami, but he also had them relevant. I mean, we've mm-hmm. got to remember, guys, Miami at that, at that time was not nationally relevant. They, they were relevant in name only. And Manny Diaz was able to get them into college football playoff conversations year in, year out. They would end up getting smacked down by a team that was higher rated than him. But he's a good coach. He's a great recruiter. He's a good developer on the defensive side of the ball. And I think he's exactly what Duke needs. I think that's an A-plus in terms of what Duke's program is and where they want to go. I think he's very similar to the style of play you'll see from Mike Alco. Absolutely. You know, Mike Alco was a very strong defensive-minded coach. And, you know, same thing with Manny Diaz. You know, Mike Alco came from Texas A&M. You know, same thing. A very prominent program that had, you know, I mean, for worse or not better words, failed a little bit of expectations. And Miami had a little expectations, but Manny Diaz had one of the best defenses in the country this past year. Helped develop some incredible talented on players on defense. So I'll see what he does. Transfer portal is obviously huge. Duke can go out and get some guys that can be instant impact guys on both sides of the ball. And I think Manny Diaz is a big enough name to help him track some of those guys. Absolutely. How about Indiana hiring Kurt Signetti? First off, with Kurt Signetti, how about his intro? Going to an Indiana basketball game, saying to hell with Purdue, to hell Purdue with Ohio sucks. State. Yeah, and so does Ohio State and Michigan. <laughs> Easy does it, Kurt. You can start with Purdue sucks. Maybe not dive into the Ohio State Michigan. Calling thing. his shot, saying that they're going to make the Big Ten championship game next year. Yeah, <laughs> a, yeah. Man's riding high right now, which he deserves. It. He had a, he had a really good season, James Madison. Maybe tone it back a little bit, but that was awesome. That was great content. I think that's an, I think that's another, that's an A for Indiana. Maybe not for Kurt. I think Kurt could have got a better job with, with what he had done at James Madison. But in terms of Indiana, if you're hiring a, on the coaching hire, I think Indiana has an A on that. I think people seeing what he did at James Madison, he's going to be able to get in some transfers. People are going to be like, man, I, I like what he did. You know, that that that's somebody I would want to play for. Honestly, the JMU players might be better than the Indiana players. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. So we're going to have some – I think Indiana's going to be more relevant. I mean, Tom Allen had a good year, and I think that bought him a lot of time. Kurt Signetti, like, what are the expectations at Indiana? What is What does the Indiana brass expect out of Kurt Signetti? Do they expect him to be bowl eligible every single year? We kind of talked about this with Syracuse on the last podcast. Is it similar to Syracuse? Do you want him to go 7-5? Do you want to go 8-4? and four? I think Kirk Signetti has the the ability to have Indiana as an eight and four team year in and year out. Maybe nine and three, competing for Big Ten. Maybe I, I don't think so with with how with how they're eliminating the divisions and how big the Big Ten will be next year. I agree. You're not competing with Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. That's really tough. You, you're don't needing, about Oregon, Washington, USC now too. Right, and, and you're needing six teams now to have off years. 
and if you're an average team at best, maybe a little bit above average, I just, I just, I don't see you competing for Big Ten titles. Yeah, so I think the divisions are eliminating the divisions are good and bad for Indiana. It makes their path tougher to the Big Ten championship game, but it also means you're not guaranteed to play Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State every single year. That's true. You can have a, a nice solid Louisville situation. Like looking at their schedule next year, they have at UCLA, Maryland, at Notre Dame or at Northwestern, Nebraska, Washington, at Michigan State, Michigan, at Ohio State, Purdue. It's still not easy. Still not easy. You know, you add Washington in there. UCLA, we have no idea what they're probably not going to be very good without Dante Moore. So Washington, we have no idea what they're going to be because they're going to lose a ton of guys. Michigan and Ohio State still in there, but you know, there's no guarantee that in the next four years that they're going to play those guys every single year they're still going to have probably a tough team because if, if it's not going to be Ohio state, Michigan, it's going to be, you know, Wisconsin, it's going to be Penn state, you know, it's going to be, you know, Oregon, it's going to be UCLA, it's going to be USC. There's going to be tough games, but I, I think if you can figure out a way to win seven or eight games every year and the off year, you make, you win nine, like you're doing phenomenal at Indiana. Signetti, when you look at his overall win record, he's 119 and 35. Incredible. So he's coached at the D2, the FCS, and now the FBS level. At James Madison, he's 52 and nine over five seasons, you know, averaging over 10 wins a year. So you're getting a guy that knows how to win. You're getting a guy that knows how to develop talent. You know, he coached at the Division II level, went 53 and 17. Like, <laughs> if you're coaching Division II, you know, he made Division II playoffs three times, finished him ranked four times. Like, you know, he knows what he's doing, he knows how to coach. You know, he, Lost the FCS national championship his very first season at James Madison, made the semifinals two other times, and then you know started eleven or started what ten and zero this year before losing to Appalachian State. They're going to go to their first ever bowl game. Like I, I think this is a really really good hire for Indiana, but I do agree. I wonder if Signetti could have gotten a better job because Indiana is a very tough place. It is not a fertile recruiting ground. You're in the Big Ten. But with being in the Big Ten, you should have a lot of resources with the amount of money that's about to come in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, recruiting's tough. You're competing with Ohio State and Penn State with your neighboring states. Yeah. It's, that's Michigan. It's tough. Yeah. How about Houston hiring Willie Fritz? A plus. A plus. This this dude has made Tulane nationally relevant. And now you're going to you're gonna put this dude in Houston. I mean, not that not that Tulane, not that Louisiana is, is a rough place for recruits. Texas might be hotter and mm -hmm. you're in Houston and these people are not afraid to throw money at you and not, not afraid to throw money into the recruiting program. I love this hire. I think this is a phenomenal hire. I think Houston is now going to be in the next three years will be a top dog in the big 12. And I think this is great for Willie Fritz. He he's leaving his, his school that he's made relevant to go to a power five school that's that's also new to Power Five, so he he it's not like he's jumping to a, a powerhouse where you're like, is Willie Fritz really that good, or did he just jump to a powerhouse? No, he's going to Houston, where they're having to fight and claw their way into the ranks of these Power Five schools, and he's got to prove it again. And I think I think that chip on his shoulder is one of the one that's going to be one of his biggest recruiting pitches, and I think it's going to help him out a lot. I'm very very excited to see a what he does at Houston, and b who comes with him from Tulsa. Yeah, Tulane. excuse me, Tulane. Yeah, I, I think I was a little surprised that this was where they went both ways, honestly. I thought that Houston would go a different direction. And I also thought Willie Fritz would look at a bigger job because Houston has only been power five for one season now. 
Yeah. But I think Houston also can be a sleeping giant because of where they're located. You saw Tom Herman find success. I mean, he got Ed Oliver stay home. Yeah. If you can get guys in the Houston area to play for you, like all you got to do is recruit Houston area. There's enough talent right in that area to be competitive in the big 12 every single year, especially with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Like there's enough players in Texas to recruit. And if he was at Tulane, he was already recruiting Texas. It's right there yeah. next to the door. So the recruiting ground is very familiar, but I thought that really Fritz would either ride it out at Tulane or go for a, a much bigger job. Yeah. But I think this is a really good fit for Houston. Absolutely. The next two won't spend nearly as much time on, but New Mexico brings Bronco Mendenhall out of retirement. You know, there was rumors that Mendenhall was interested in coaching again. He needed a break after his time at Virginia. What do you think of him going to New Mexico? I think this is a situation where I think he could have done better had he waited. Uh, if I'm coming back, I'm not coming back for this job unless he wants it to be low key and he thinks he could just go there and kind of lay back and still win games. Not no disrespect to New Mexico, but w- what Bronco Mendenhall was able to do at Virginia, I mean, look where they are now since he's left. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony Elliott's over there trying to pick up the pieces. I think Bronco Mendenhall is a is a phenomenal coach, phenomenal recruiter, phenomenal football mind, and I, I think he deserves better than New Mexico. I mean, again. Well, I, I can say no disrespect all I want. This is disrespectful to New Mexico. But Bronco Mendenhall, I feel like would have been great at Houston. I feel like he would have mm-hmm. been great. I mean, I, I'm surprised he wasn't considered at Mississippi State. I mean, if he's jumping back into his, into this coaching thing, why is he going to the group of five level? Why, yeah. is, why is he taking he, a step down? He was really good at BYU for a while and then opted to go to Virginia. You know, I think there were a lot of other programs. You know, why didn't Syracuse pick up the phone and try to get him? Why did they go with Dan Mullen instead? No, I, I think there's a lot of other programs that could have used it. Bronco Mendenhall can build a program. Yeah, he, he can he can do that. And New Mexico is an interesting one because I don't know if he has any real ties to New Mexico. And it's also not the easiest state to coach in. No. no. New Mexico is not some sort of program that you know has this great history of football tradition. You know, honestly, like I'm pulling them up right now. They apparently have had three consensus All-Americans. Haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. They made a bunch in a row in the 2000s under Rocky Long. But, like, you know, they, they've been okay. Like, they're not something that people were jumping for. But, yeah, Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall has been – he was an assistant coach at New Mexico from 1998 to 2001. He must be from out there. That, that's the only thing I can think of is why he wouldn't consider a job out east. Because New Mexico is not that far from Utah. BYU's in Utah. Maybe he just wants to be – maybe he's like, hey, I'm laid back. I still want to coach, but I don't want to be far away from family or far away from wherever. Yeah, also, I don't – well, he produced Brian Urlacher. Fun fact. Pretty good. That's a decent guy. Fun and fact. Can you imagine walking down the hallway at the line of coaches that have coached at New Mexico and seeing names like Rocky and Bronco? They might have some two of the best names in – in coaching history. Maybe that's onto something. Maybe you're onto something there. Last one here is Middle Tennessee State hires Derek Mason. The only reason I really put this one on here is because Derek Mason, former Vanderbilt coach, went and became defensive coordinator at Auburn and then Oklahoma State. And I don't even know where he's been lately. Middle Tennessee State also fired their coach after like 20 years. I didn't know that they had a coach for like 20 years. Yeah. I don't think I ever rated the New Mexico hire. I think that's A for New Mexico. I think it's C for Bronco Mendenhall, D. So coming back over here, Middle Tennessee State. Okay. Yeah, you got Derek Mason. 
Like, I, I don't know if I'd really. I don't I'm know not excited. the fit here. I don't know the fit here. I also don't know what New Mexico or Middle Tennessee State expects every year. Derek Mason was Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt might be one of the toughest jobs in the whole country, yeah. and I just don't know what to make out of this and what what they'll get out of it. Mason was an okay defensive coordinator the last couple of years. He was much better before he took the Vanderbilt job. So we'll see what he does. Uh, Nevada and Tulane remain open for the time being. So we'll see if they hire a coach anytime soon. All right. We have one game this weekend, uh, arguably the best rivalry game in all of college football. We're going to briefly talk about this because I don't know if you know a ton about the service academies between army and Navy, but I sure as heck don't. No, I don't. All I know is that every year I look forward to watching this game. I look forward to about 20 points being scored. If you are an Iowa fan and you watched every single game this year, you are having so much fun during this game. You are in luck. Yep. You get to see two Iowas. Navy's been kind of off this year. I mean, they, I don't think they made a bowl game. And then Army neither been... team are making a bowl game, which is weird because they're both five and six. So one of them are going to end up six and six, but because of some weird quirk, that neither of them will be bowl eligible. I don't know yeah. why they just didn't reserve one spot and say you're going to that bowl game, whoever wins. You heard it here first, people. The NCAA does not respect the troops. So that is that is what they're saying by not allowing this game to count towards bowl eligibility. They does don't not. respect the troops. Does not. <laughs> I'm not going to dig too much into this. Both teams are five and six, though. I, I truly think that this is the fastest game in college football because they – they don't really throw the ball much. Neither quarterback has thrown for a thousand yards this year. They've combined for about fifteen hundred yards, combined for eleven passing touchdowns. They're really getting after it this year. And the amount they run the ball, this game honestly, I think lasts about two hours and forty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Usually they slot three and a half hours. This is usually one of the fastest games. Halftime will come in about an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> yep, yep. This it'll be a, it'll be a good game just to watch while you're eating. While you're doing something in the background. It's, it's I game. went to the Army-Navy game one time. That's on the bucket list. How was it? So it was cold as hell. Know, obviously, this weekend it was cold as hell. Uh, it started snowing, and then the snow turned to rain. And by the time it was raining, it was dark. I was miserable. Uh, it was, so when I watched them sing, I went, got down to the front row because everybody had left because the weather was so crappy. Got down the first row, and I stepped down the first row, and it's just a puddle of water because of the amount of rain and snow that I had mixed up. And I was like, oh, crap, my feet are wet now. This is no longer fun. Was that in Philly while you were in Temple? Is that yeah. when you went? Yep, it was in Philly They were because they were rotating through that time. So I went to the game. I volunteered to hand out some lanyards, and they let me stay through the game. So I went and found a spot to eat. Or found a spot to watch the game up in the corner and end up just sneaking down into the front row the last couple minutes of the game. That's awesome. That's true grit right there, folks. You don't get that kind of football love from anybody else. I mean, you got people who are more more invested in the game leaving. Jake's going down. Get closer to the action. I, I don't know. I didn't know anybody on either team. Keenan Reynolds might be on the team. He might have still been there at that point. Just say he was. You're a football guy. Remember when Keenan Reynolds was a Heisman Trophy finalist? I do. That was insane. How yeah. is that possible? Yeah. Now he's playing yeah. tight end. How is that possible? Did not know. So this game is currently a two and a half point favorite in favor of Army. The over under has moved from 32 and a half to 27 and a half. So they think there's going to be less than four touchdowns scored in this game. For this kind of game, what is the key? Don't turn the ball over. Make your kicks. Don't turn the ball over. 
<clears throat> this game usually comes down to a couple big runs are busted. So if both teams are able to play gap sound defense, you know, don't give up the big run on the triple option, make them beat you, make them go for it on fourth down a hundred times. We're going to see that a lot. And then just don't turn the ball over. Do the eat. I mean, play the fundamentals. This is a fundamentally sound football game. This is, this game is won and lost strictly on fundamentals. If you're not playing your gap, you're going to lose. If you turn the ball over, you're going to lose. So th- this is, this is a game that's going to come down to the end. Like it always does field goal, late touchdown and Vegas seems to think that think that army is going to win by a field goal. So it's a pick them. Yeah. The both teams are actually pretty bad on offense. Army ranks 110th in scoring. Navy ranks 122nd army ranks 38th in points against and Navy ranks 46th in points against their defense actually isn't bad, but their offense can't move the ball. They're top 15 in rushing. They're toward their 131st and 132nd in passing. Not surprising. So, like you said, you know, it's about being able to move the ball, not getting into, you know, second and long, third and long, playing gaps. Because when the triple option, if you start putting yourself in second and long and third and long, you know, the way they move the ball, you're, you're almost guaranteed to punt. If you're right. in third and eight, it puts yourself in some pretty bad situations. So, Give me a, a pick on the spread, and then I'm making you pick the over/under this week. Um, Grandpa's in the Navy. I'm going Navy. I'm going midshipman, and I'm going to go with the under. I'm going to take Army in the under. I'm just no, going to take no, the favorite. Be- I'm taking the over, Jake. I'm sorry. I'm not a sicko. This there's going to be the over. Oh, I'm a sicko. Uh, I'm going to take Army in the under. <laughs> Navy in the over versus Army in the under. We're going against each other. I'm about to go 2-0 and this week. I cannot wait. Yeah, your beer's coming, by the way. Oh, good. Yeah, good. i got to find out how to break the law and send you send you some beer in the mail, but it's going to happen. Shh, it's coming. Don't tell them. Don't Allegedly. Tell them. Allegedly. For anybody that hasn't been paying attention, I won the regular season bet. But don't worry. We will probably think of something for bowl season because there's only like 40-some bowl games. Speaking of bowl games, if you're not joining our bowl pick them, you can join it on ESPN. It's just called the Walk on Red Shirts. The winter, the winner, it's free to enter, 100% free to enter. But the winner gets a free T-shirt from our merch shop. We're also potentially getting some new merch sometime soon, but that probably won't be out before the end of that. But there are plenty of shirts on there, plenty of options, plenty of colors. So go join the Bull Pick'em on ESPN. Group name, the Walk on Red Shirts, free to enter. Make sure to put your name as your entry or else I have no idea who to give the winner to. And it'll make my life very tough and difficult. Anyways, we have a couple questions for the podcast this week. We'll try to wrap this up here soon. Let's start with our good old friend, Jake Thigpen. says, do you think Florida State's college football snub will affect its recruiting slash transfer portal? Will impact how the how the already damaged ACC brand is perceived by the prospects going forward. I think this is an excellent question. Jake, do you want to start with this or do you want me to go? Yeah. So I think the snub part of it in recruiting, I think a lot of recruits do think they were snubbed. So I don't think that that at least this year is going to have too much of an impact because it's fresh in their mind. And a lot of people also agree that they were snubbed. I don't think there's a lot of people that are going to be out there saying like, well, I'm not going to go to Florida state because they didn't make the, you know, they didn't make the college football playoff. They went 13 and Oh, it's, it's very easy to see that like, Hey, we're running a few. We should have been there. How it will affect it going forward. Like I do think the brand is damaged though. I, I do think it hurts it because 
the way it's perceived now is the ACC isn't strong enough to put a team in the playoff if there's one or two hiccups along the way. Now, granted, at a 12-team playoff, they would for sure be in. But in 12-team playoff, would they be at five or would they change the rankings and put them at you know six or seven? Would they put Ohio State above them? Would they put Georgia above them? You know, if that's the aspect, you could justify that those two teams were just straight up better because they would have their starting quarterback in there. Right. So I, I do think the brand is damaged right now. And I think I think it can be repaired. I think 100% can be repaired. There's enough talented teams in the, the conference. But I think you need to see consistency from the conference moving forward. It's not just one team. You know, Clemson needs to get back up there into the 10-11 wins. Miami, you've got North Carolina, you know, the Virginia schools. You know, Pitt was only a couple years removed from a 10-win season. There's a lot of teams in there that I think can help repair that image. And it starts with guys actually, you know, being dominant and actually winning your non-conference games. Yeah, for sure. And I, I actually agree with you completely. I think recruits are able to see, had it not been because, like, had Jordan Travis been healthy and this snub happens, I think then, yes, I think it would have affected things immensely. That's not the case. People are aware why they were snubbed. But yes, the, the brand is damaged. I feel like we have the perception that the Pac-12 had before the Pac-12 dis, dis, dismantled. You know, Oregon, in the past, they could have gone undefeated, and people are like, well, but who have they played? Who have they played? Like, they weren't giving Washington. They weren't giving Oregon State. They weren't giving UCLA. They weren't giving all these other teams the respect that maybe they deserved, albeit because maybe they were playing at midnight. But yes, Clemson's got to step it up. Louisville's got to continue doing what they're doing. UNC has to stay relevant. I mean, what sucks for, for UNC is you had the opportunity to be a college football playoff caliber team, and you went eight and four with Drake May. So that's not good. You have you have a number one, number two overall pick at, at the helm, and you're not able to win more than eight games. That's that's going to hurt UNC down the line when big recruits are looking at it like, man, they had a generational talent at quarterback. They still weren't able to do it. Florida State needs to keep doing what they're doing. Miami needs to return to Miami. If those things start happening, the ACC can definitely recover their brand. It, it, it'll get back. I think some of the, the, the damage that the ACC has created was self-inflicted. It was because of the TV deal, and then your big names are wanting out. I think that, that dilutes your, your image immensely. Like when, when your Clemson's and your, and your Florida State's are, are very blatantly saying, we want out. There was, there was no being politically correct in those conversations. They were being very mm-hmm. blunt about it. They wanted out. That makes your brand look bad when your top teams don't want to be in the in the division. Yep. So could that affect them? Yes. But I think right now when someone's looking at Clemson or Florida State or maybe even Miami, they're not looking at ACC. They're looking at the logo. And I think the other schools are going to be affected more than the big name schools. Yeah, I, I would agree. Because if you want to look at the middle to lower tier of the conferences, you know, if, if you were given the option right now, like, are you going to choose to go play for, you know, NC State, or are you going to go play for Wisconsin? I think those two are potentially comparable programs overall. You know, you can justify both sides, but, you know, if you look at the Big Ten, you're going to play in a more competitive conference and probably be a little more forgiving that if Wisconsin goes 10-2, and two, are you going to be in the playoff? Or if NC State goes 10-2, and two, are you going to be in the playoff next year? Right. So and maybe these aren't the conversations that are happening on the forefront. Maybe they're, you know, ones that, you know, down the line that guys are thinking about when you're starting to really – you know, separate a couple programs when you're trying to figure out, okay, do I like this one more? Do I like that one more? And it might not be your deciding factor, but it's definitely could be in the thought of mind if that is a goal of yours. Yeah. And honestly, 
this might be a hot take. I think the only conference that really has weight when you're trying to decide where you're picking is the SEC. I think that's that's honestly the only one that is going to sway you one way or the other. I don't I don't think someone's going to the, to play at a Big Ten school because they're in the Big Ten. But I do yeah. think sometimes kids go to Mississippi State or Kentucky I, solely because I 100% of the agree. I 100% agree. And with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, I think that makes it even more prevalent. Right. All right. Next question from 3TechPod. We've got thoughts on the new FBS classification proposal for the top programs. We also have a similar one with, from Justin Price asking, do you, do you all think the NIL college is about to be more like free agency and not about commitment to the university? I'm all for players getting paid, but what are your thoughts on direction of college ball with NIL? And I think this is one kind of big NIL conversation. So with the new classification, it Looks like as of now, the, the proposal, it's got a long way to go, even if it does get passed. And they're trying to get federal le- legislation to put the guidelines in place because the NCAA doesn't know how to put their own guardrails in. They already let it get too far. So the NCAA is like, oh, we can't do it anymore. Government, please help us out. Yeah, which is, again, I've said this before. Anytime you want government to get involved, that ain't doing too hot. They're going to do it wrong. They're yeah, just going to do it wrong. Done. Very immensely wrong. I mean that that's not a that that is not a partisan take. That is a, I think that's that's a fact. Like the government's going to screw it up. They're just going to do it wrong. Right. They're going to do it wrong. But anyway, so the proposal would be, you have to allot at least thirty thousand dollars to fifty percent of your student athletes. So some programs have you know thirty some scholarship or thirty some programs. Stanford's got like fifty different sports or something like that. But I read Alabama only has 17. Yeah. So at some of these schools, you know, like Alabama, you've got football, which is your largest sport. But other than that, a lot of the other programs only have anywhere from 20 to 30 players. Basketball only has 12 or 15. What's going to happen is it's called 50% because they're going to play. They're going to pay almost every football player. And then because Mm -hmm. of Title IX, the women are going to be more allotted to get that money. I I think because Title IX is, is a law. Once you start putting this money around and it's got the 50%, 51%, you're going to have to pay 50% of your – the women are going to have to get paid too. So yep. I think what's going to happen is – Your non-revenue sports are going to demand money. Right, but it's not going to be the male non-revenue sports, in my opinion. I think maybe in some of these schools, a basketball player here or there will get the, will get that allotment, but I think the majority of it would go to the football programs and then the, mm-hmm. female, the female sports. The other thing about it is it's a minimum of $30,000. So, right. you know, in Alabama, Jalen Milrow is not getting $30,000. Jalen Miller is getting already way more than $30,000. And right. he, he's going to continue to get more. The The collectives is an interesting thing with how they do it because you're supposed to do something in return. You know, whether it, what they end up doing is a lot of these like sponsored dinners where like, you go to these dinners and you shake some hands with these, you know, these boosters, whatnot, and you, you show up for a couple hours, you sign some autographs and you call it a day. Yeah. So, and you get paid an ungodly amount of money to do it once or twice. And for, for these guys, like it's being paid and then they just pay them, you know, over the course of time to do these one or two things. And, I'm fine with the NIL because I do believe NIL should be a thing. There's, there's no reason why a college football player couldn't go be in a car commercial when me as a student, not an athlete, could sell anything of my own and make money off of it. Right. Or have a job. I, couldn't, and I could have a job. Them. Yeah. To, to put that in perspective, Jake, I was I was a walk-on and I had a job during the offseason. I, I worked at a gas station. 
and I was going to get paid ten dollars an hour. I had to wait for my for to be able to accept that job. I had to send the job offer to the NCAA clearinghouse for them to review, and it took a few days for me to be able to say, "Yep, I could take this job. I am now compliant to the NCAA for a ten dollar an hour job." I mean, they want to make sure you're not getting paid more than you should be, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm working the night shift at the gas station. <laughs> Give me a break. So, uh, yes, co- to, not to derail you too much. I think it's. I think NIL is is good in that sense. I think it gets abused because it, there's a competitive aspect, and there always gonna be a competitive aspect. But right. To say that these right. athletes don't deserve to make money off their name, image, and likeness when. If I was at a college and producing music for the college, like let's let's say one of my projects was you know in art or music, I could go sell that stuff and make money off of it. Right. I could be on a, I could be on a scholarship. I could be on a full ride for academic, but like I could go sell that stuff and make money. But like if you wanted to do a a signing during the off season and go sign you know some helmets and footballs, you wouldn't have been allowed to do that. No. No. You couldn't have made money off of that. You couldn't have taken four hours on a Saturday, gone to the mall, and you know, signed some autographs. Jacob, if I wanted to make YouTube, uh, YouTube video, if I wanted, you to wouldn't be able YouTube, to make money off of it. Can't make money off of it, and you could have made the video, but time. you can't make money off it. Right, and I'm doing it on my own time, and it, it, it's, it's it was ridiculous. So nil helps. Two things can be true: nil can be good, and nil can be bad. Uh-huh. Nil can be good because it's it, it for in in the in a perfect situation, kids are getting paid for what for the time and effort they're putting into things. I mean, these schools are making millions of dollars off these kids. The least they can do is give them the ability to use that platform to make some money for themselves. NIL can, NIL can be bad because like you said, people are competitive about it and it can be abused. And you can offer kids like Jalen Rashada who ended up going to Arizona State after Florida because he was offered $13 million. And they didn't cough it up. You have those situations happen. And you know who got a bad rep for that? It was Jalen Rashada and not Florida. No one's over there talking shit about Florida for offering $13 million to a kid. And then as soon as he, he signs his national letter of intent saying, yeah, we don't have that money for you. You're going to have to do something. It's not going to be near as much. Like, of mm-hmm. course he's going to go somewhere else. Like, wh- what do you expect? He probably – Florida might not have been one of his top schools anyway. So, But for like, $13 million as an 18-year-old, of course it's going right. to resonate with you. Yeah, come on, people. Like, look yourself in the mirror for a second and tell me you 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 as an eighteen year old would have turned that down. Your parents would have told you you were stupid to turn that down. So Absolutely. To, to, like, so there's good there's goods and evils to nil. Like the people who are saying that nil is ruining college sports, stop. And if if you're that passionate about it, just don't watch. I mean, it, it's a phenomenal game, regardless of how much kids are getting paid. And so, it, it's not it's not diluting the game to me at all. But to go into the whole uh, FBS classification proposal, I believe Jake, and correct me if I'm wrong. There was they said there was a there was an ability to have 20 teams in the league. Is that right? Yeah, and I'm not sure how much I buy all that, but they're they're basically trying to have another way where they can make their own rules about you know college football. But there's so many contracts and TV contracts that are involved in this stuff that it's it won't that. that that is so far down the road because you have to align all that stuff because you have all these contracts and people moving around and conferences moving and it's, it's going to make it impossible. And I, I, maybe one day it changes, but I think you have to get more buy-in than 20 programs. Yeah, of course. And, and it would be the top 20 anyway. It's those are your minor league programs anyway, that are pumping people into the NFL. It's the ones that are already pumping your, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 players every year into the NFL draft. All right, last question we got here from Justin Price as well. It says, are y'all excited to see Jacksonville State and the other teams make their bowl season for the first time 
I think Josh Jacksonville State and James Madison, the two making their bold debuts, I believe. Those New Mexico State hadn't played in a while. If we want to, want to give them a shout out, uh, they they uh, they played in one, I think, like sometime in the last decade, but it's been a while. It's been a long time. Um, so we can consider them first time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what, what would you say? Are you uh, I'm you excited I'm, for them? I'm extremely excited. I mean, JMU, like that's awesome. It sucks that their coach left. I think he is going to coach in the game, if I remember correctly. I don't know why he would. This is this is prime. Texas State, prime. I believe, made a bowl game as well. It's their first one ever. Nice. I didn't know that. So that's that's a fun fact. And they're playing Rice in Texas. Tell me this. New Mexico State hasn't made it in a while. They get a bowl game in New Mexico. Texas State's never made a bowl game. They get a bowl game in Texas. Jacksonville Boston State. College got a bowl game in Boston. Yeah, they deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you don't get to go anywhere. You have to stay up north. Yeah, you stay at home. You're lucky you're going to the baseball field to play football. It's probably going to be that kind of score anyway. But I'm, I'm very excited. I honestly have some some friends um, from high school and from Clemson who, who are coaching on Jacksonville State, so that's really cool to see them be able to take this step forward. A GA, Zach was his first name. I can't quite remember his last name. Is the, is the defensive coordinator for Jacksonville State. It's really cool to see him at that opportunity. Roderick McDowell went to my high school, and then I played at Clemson with him. He's the running backs coach at Jacksonville State. So getting to see that program do what they're doing with these guys that, I'm, that I know that, that's gonna be pretty. That's pretty cool, and I and I have to pull for the Gamecocks that week. So that's, that that is the bad side of it. Jacksonville State Gamecocks, if you want to wear. But um, James Madison, I think it's a little a little bit of a punch to the to the NCAA, like a little screw you. I mean, they weren't supposed to be eligible. Same with Jacksonville State, and yet because there wasn't enough 500 teams, they're able to get in. It's gonna be fun to watch them play Air Force. Air Force kind of petered out towards the end of the year, but I still think it'll be a fun game, and we'll get to see what James Madison's made of. And then Texas State, I don't know much about Texas State. I know they had a really good year this year. I didn't realize it was their first time ever playing. And then JT Daniels will not be playing for Rice. He is he has been medically he has medically forfeited the rest of his football career. So prayers to him. That that sucks for the game to be taken away from you. That's that's never a uh, an easy situation to deal with mentally if that's if that's what happened. But with Texas State, I think that's gonna be fun to watch. That's the Bobcats, right? The mighty Bobcats. They are the Bobcats. Yeah. All right. That wraps it up for the show this week. Appreciate everybody tuning in this week. We will continue giving coverage up through the national championship game. And then we're possibly doing something different after the, after the national championship game, possibly altering the format, at least for a little bit for the off season, trying to give you guys content throughout the off season. But unfortunately there is not a ton of stuff that happens in February and March and April. There's spring off, but shit, you know, there's enough stuff that, will go on that we can give you guys highlights about real quick jake shout out to justin price for obviously watching the live stream and and and, and chatting in the in, in the comment i mean you're you're a five-star listener justin that's we appreciate you make sure to follow the page justin yeah follow the page man come on if you liked it if you don't like it yeah. follow it so you can talk trash to us yeah and then uh, so make sure to go check out the walk go follow us on twitter instagram yeah. facebook working on getting our YouTube up and running as well. So that way there'll be a live stream on there every week. Yeah. Make sure to go check out underdog fantasy, uh, double your first deposit using promo code walk on. Uh, you got bowl games coming up soon. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for you to double your money. Yep. No underdog picks this week, but it's still a, a wonderful app and you could definitely use it. Hey, throw, throw, throw some underdog picks on the, on the games when you're picking in our walk on red shirts, pick them. It's something you can do. Mm. Also I'm over halfway to my pecan pie. So hop in there. 
I'm at, I think I'm at 170. If I can get to 300 by December 31st, I'm going to eat as many pies as I can on, on a live stream in an hour. I know that's what the people want to see. Justin, I would love to see you logged in, watch me eat some pies. We'll see who the real sickos are out there. Apparently, you'll be the sicko one. <laughs> <laughs> but make sure to go follow him, follow all the content. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to rate the podcast on any of your platforms, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. And with that being said, we will see you guys again next week.